Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Grantham Church. Great to see all of you in worship, and if you're watching via live stream, welcome. My name is David Flowers. I'm the senior pastor here at Grantham. This morning, we're going to talk about deacons. Uh, a few things about deacons. One, uh, a biblical foundation and the New Testament call to serve others and meet the needs of the church. You'll see this in your bulletin. This is where we're going this morning. Two, how deacons ministry has functioned in the past here at Grantham. And three, the introduction, which we're really excited about, the introduction of a new model of deacons ministry, what we're calling deacon care teams. So I'll be sharing a little bit more about that uh, a bit later in the message. If you would, grab your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts, chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. It's our main scripture text for today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Chapter 6, verse 1. And would you stand with me in the reading of Scripture in honor of our holy sacred text? Acts 6, verse 1, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Think about the body metaphor that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, Paul says, Just as a body, 
though one has many parts, <laughs> right? But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free persons, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Something new is happening among the body of Christ, a new kind of community, Paul is saying. So even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, let's consider what we, what we just read in Acts 6, 1 through 7, and think about that along with this body metaphor. Think about how this is a radical, countercultural, even subversive idea of doing community and meeting needs. Regardless of your gender, of your status, of your place in the world, that Jesus Christ has made us one and is calling local ecclesias, the church, and wherever we live, workshop, and play, to be a radical community of the gospel. Now think about that. Because in doing that, we overcome all sorts of boundaries that the world sets up. Depending on what society and culture you're in and what time period you live in, that might look different. But regardless, in every age, the gospel of the kingdom through the church is to push back on all of that, to overcome those boundaries, to come together as one family. And that only through the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit is this even possible. Now, if you're listening to what I've just said, I hope that there is a part of you, specifically the Spirit of God in you, that resonates with that, that says yes to that, and says, we need more of that. This is what is lacking in the world. But unfortunately, as too often we see, the church mimics and models the divisions and the way we segment and segregate and categorize things in the world. So this morning, let's begin there. Let's think about that body metaphor so that we can better understand what's happening in Acts 6, which I think is just one example of this, and what we're going to be testifying to in the table this morning when we receive communion. One baptism, one spirit, one God who's been revealed in Christ, and one body of Christ, the church of God. And what is happening in the first century for them to set apart these deacons? And, and what else does the New Testament tell us about members of the body serving each other in this way? You see, really, this is a message for all of us. It doesn't matter if you've been a deacon or you're currently a deacon or have no interest in being a deacon. We're all servants. That's what that word means. Let's look at that. This is what we know from the New Testament about deacons. The word itself, diakonos, comes from the root which means to serve. Deacons are servants. The first deacons, which we see in Acts chapter 6, were set apart to serve food to the poor, specifically to Hellenized Jewish widows. Now, what's going on here? I want you to notice while there are different traditions and denominations and different ways the church organizes itself throughout two millennia, what we see in the New Testament is fairly pragmatic. 
There's a need that arises, and so together they seek the Spirit and they figure out how to meet those needs. So these first servants were set apart to serve the poor because this great need had arisen that the apostles, pastors, and teachers couldn't give time and attention to, lest it would take away from the calling, the specific calling that they had. And what we see here is a division in the church. You have Hellenized Jews, that is Jews that have been, let's say, Greekified. They've grown up immersed in Greek culture, so much so that they're not reading from the Hebrew text, they're reading from the Greek Old Testament, we call the Septuagint. So they had their own culture as opposed to the Hebraic Jews. And already we see sort of this ethnic division in the church right away in the first few chapters of Acts. Go figure. And so because of this and the overwhelming amount of the work that needed to be done, people, specifically the Hellenized Greek Jews who might have been seen as sort of lower, were being overlooked. So the church sees a need needs to be met and not only a physical need, right, but a spiritual one. And this is, what, this is what happens. The call for deacons was how a growing Jewish church responded to the urgent need for care. Also, we see deacons were needed to remove the heavy burden of care, as I said, from the teachers, from the traveling apostles and church planters and the pastors and, and teachers. And we also see, and this is, this is important to know, the deacons were to be faithful men, specifically men in chapter 6, but we later see there are women, women of personal and spiritual character. You listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13, or Romans chapter 16, verse 1, where female deacons were mentioned. So, so think about how radical this is, even in the first century, that they are addressing not only physical needs, but spiritual needs that show up in the status of the world, whether you're male or you're female or you're Greek or you're Jews or you're rich or you're poor. They are seeking to subvert the way of the world and meeting needs. In writing to Timothy, Paul tells his young church planter friend that deacons should be above reproach in their character. That is, he says that deacons should be full of the Spirit and not of themselves or of the world. They should be trustworthy. They should be able to make sound judgments. They shouldn't lie. Uh, they shouldn't be addicted to, to alcohol. He specifically says that, but we can certainly throw in any other addictions. They shouldn't be selfish or gossips, especially as they're going into people's homes and serving people and working with lots of folks and broken people, with people with needs. It's important not to be a gossip, to be greedy, to be unfaithful to their spouse or the church. So basically, if anyone who's leading out as representatives of the church and of Christ should be a faithful person. And furthermore, Paul says that if they're going to help manage and care for the people in the church, they should be doing that in their home too. And Paul's primary point is this. Deacons should be mature in their faith. And why is that important? Well, as I said, because these are good folks who are acting as representatives and lead servants on behalf of Christ in the church. And what they do is being done in the name of Jesus for the sake of the good news to those who are poor and suffering or in need of basic things, particularly a physical or material need. 
Also, as servants in an official capacity for the local church, deacons should see themselves ministering to Christ himself as they tend to the physical needs of people and help care for the congregation. You know, we need to keep this in mind. Uh, we, we sometimes create a false dichotomy that physical and spiritual needs are connected. They're connected to the spiritual health of a person. So meeting physical needs is no lesser than meeting spiritual needs. It's, they're all in this together. And again, these servants can be men and women. In fact, you could easily make the case that the very first deacons were women who served Jesus during his ministry on earth. If you look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 55 and 56, it says, many women were there with Jesus, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs to serve. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons, that being James and John. So what does all this mean for our deacon's ministry and doing congregational care at Grantham? And, and let's say maybe you're not a deacon or have an interest in being a, formally being a deacon. What does this have to do with you? Well, it has everything to do with you. You could put it this way. Why do we have deacons at Grantham? What do they do and how does that involve me? Well, first let's think about what they've done in years past. I know it's probably a blur the past uh, year 2020, um, it's understandable. But in the early part of 2020, I preached a message in February on deacons. And we showed how deacons have traditionally helped with various tasks here at Grantham Church. Communion, baptisms, helping provide meals, working the prayer chain, and so forth. But their largest part of their role has been caring for Quite a lengthy list of people as all members were automatically assigned a deacon. You can think about that in a church of 400 pre-COVID with a limited number of deacons, everyone being assigned a member of the church to care for. That can be quite a lot of work. So over the past few years, this has become increasingly challenging. And there are signs there that we needed a new model and the need to be reminded of our corporate call to care for each other. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatian church. I think Pastor Melissa alluded to this in her prayer. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. To only think of yourself, right? But, but, but rather use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. And doesn't that really just go against our default and certainly go against the grain of culture to think about yourself, to think about how you're feeling and what you need, but rather the New Testament would teach us that life comes by caring for other people's needs, thinking of others before ourself. Paul said, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So there's, there's something about thinking of others, intentionally putting others first, that causes us to be less selfish, less, less self-absorbed, and, and eventually less cranky and critical and impatient. 
I was sitting on the front row, as I often do, and reflect with the rest of you and worship and preparing my heart and mind and felt like the Lord actually wanted me to confess this to you. This past week, I've been impatient. And I, I don't know if, uh, if any of that has been visible to anybody on the outside, but inside, I've been impatient. We had some folks that were coming in and redid some flooring in our house that was taking way longer than it should have. You know, that happens when you take a smoke break every 30 minutes and so forth and so on. And, and I'm thinking, this is chaotic. And I'm a little OCD. The staff knows this. And so this was really hard to come home to what's supposed to be a safe haven and clean or whatever. And, and it's a wreck and taking much longer than it should. So I confessed to my wife yesterday, I think it was, that I really felt bad about the way I was feeling inside. And then I got on the phone with Comcast yesterday. Oh, you know where this is going. I was feeling the same way, but uh, I must have been doing something right because at the end of the call she said, and thank you, sir, because you're the nicest person I've talked to all day. And I was thinking, oh, well, if she could see what was brewing inside, you know. But, you know, there's something about thinking intentionally about others and serving others that, that moves us away from thinking about ourselves. What's going on in, in their lives that have brought them to this point? You know, and you, you, you think of one of the guys on the job doing the flooring is normally outside working on the roof where he can just slot things down with a big putty knife, you know. Not used to working inside. He was feeling not very competent and confident about what he was doing. And I could share some other things, but you know, you dig a little deeper, you realize why things are the way they are, why, why the line is so long at McDonald's, and why things are crazy when you get on the phone with Comcast. But we, you, you easily overlook and don't see those things and become self-absorbed and more critical and quick to judge when we're not putting other people first. And this is the calling of, of everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Amen? Now, I mentioned this several times in the past. It's, it's good to be reminded there are up to 100 imperatives in the New Testament for God's people to one another. We have that phrase, one another, with the rest of the church. Think about that for a moment. All the one another commands in the New Testament. We've been instructed to serve one another, or as Jesus said, wash one another's feet bear one another's burdens in Galatians 6.2, comfort one another concerning the resurrection when people pass away or people are living in fear of death, remember and comfort one another, he says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage and build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, one translation is spur, like spurring a horse, I don't recommend that, it's bad for the horse, but you get the idea, right, to spur one another on, encourage one another on in good deeds, to pray for one another, to be hospitable to one another in 1 Peter 4.9, hospitable, uh, the root of that is to love the stranger. You see, in all of these one another commands, the sharing of burdens and of care has a place on our, what we've called our triangle of spiritual balance and health at Grantham. You've seen this a few times. We call it the up and the in and the out. You see, the up is that relationship we have with God, maintaining that, being intentional about spiritual disciplines and so forth. We also have the in. That is how we're working the spaces, the public, the social, 
uh, the personal and the intimate spaces where we can actually know and learn of people's needs and help meet those needs. And of course, the out, what we're revealing to those in the world like the people working your floor and the, and the young lady on the phone with Comcast once I got past the computerized voice. So we, we're called to work the up and the in and the out for the health of ourselves and the health of the church. But in for, for order for us to, to one another, we must, as I said, be working the spaces, be present in the spaces where mutual care is possible. And I understand right now we're trying to be sensitive and responsible to that because we are in the middle of the pandemic, but we also need to be careful moving forward that we're not using this as a reason not to be present in the church, not to be present with our neighbors, not to be present with those in need. So we're calling us to work these spaces, the public space, which we're in right now, where a lot of it is involved with you sitting and listening and watching. There's participation, but you're largely staring at the back of somebody's head. This isn't the posture for face-to-face and getting to know people and what's really going on. No, 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 don't do it, you're, you're fine. What's really going on? This kind of questioning and interaction and engagement happens in the other spaces the social space around tables, but also the personal space where people feel free to share about those kinds of things. Things that may not necessarily be free to share in a public space or maybe inappropriate to share in a public space. So we're calling folks to that because Jesus did this. Like Jesus, he worked the public space, but he called people to come closer to him in the personal and the intimate spaces where care specifically where care happens organically and naturally in the body of Christ. And some of you have experienced this kind of thing in a small group or you've experienced it in your learning community where you're in a space that's conducive for this sort of thing. And as I've said before, our pastors envision that our small groups will in time become not just the primary vehicle discipleship at Grantham but also the place where most of the congregation and the congregational care is happening. You see, in the intersection of a shared life together. You know, this isn't just how we've been wired as human beings, it's also what Jesus envisioned for the church in every age. That we're learning, we're growing, and we're caring for one another in close-knit community. Now, having said that, we recognize that there is still a need for deacons in the church and for organizing specific kinds of care in our congregation. And so I'd like to introduce you now to the next iteration of deacons ministry and how we're doing congregational care at Grantham Church and how you can get involved with this as well. We call it our deacon care teams. First, let me share with you why we've made this change and we've moved on to a new model. Number one, there are a number of longtime deacons who, whose term is, is ending at the end of this year and won't be returning, which means that we currently have nine deacon couples or individuals going into 2020. And I know some of them are here this morning. If you're one of those nine, would you just stand? Let us thank you this morning for serving as deacons. Would you give them a hand? Thank you. 
You know, recruitment of deacons has been a challenge in recent years, and I think probably for a variety of reasons. Some of that is possibly reflective of the role being too broad and not focused enough. Some folks are a little intimidated in the idea of them being a deacon or seeing themselves to be a deacon. As a result, deacons have been burdened, as I said, with extremely long lists of people to care for, some having up to 19 individuals or families on their list to care for. And then number three, we, we found that our other churches have moved away from this more traditional model of care that likely works better for smaller churches than medium to large-sized churches. Also, over the past five years, leadership has been emphasizing the need for engaging in the personal spaces, as I said, where care happens organically. And we want to encourage folks. Like you're not feeling uh, cared for. You're not feeling like anybody notices you or that you're plugged in. Well, we invite you to come in closer to the personally intimate spaces. And then lastly, based on the New Testament model of deacon's ministry, as we read earlier from Acts 6, verse 1 through 7, there is a precedent for deacons responding to need-based care rather than having each congregant assigned a deacon. Uh, we already had uh, a few working examples of this at Grantham with, say, things like meals, um, a moving team, and, and baptisms. And so we thought, why not explore the idea of a hybrid model of deacon care where deacons, in addition to offering care when and where needed, put aside their long, burdensome lists of members and become coordinators of care teams that others in our church can join in and share in doing congregational care. And so this is what was proposed to the deacons and our church board and subsequently approved to introduce to you. Here's our new deacon care teams. And we've printed up these nice brochures for you that the ushers are going to pass out with all of this information on there. But real quick, I'd like to go through all of these teams. There are 12 of them, just briefly giving you a description of what they're about. And there's two things I want you to pay attention to. One, do you have a need that one of these teams can meet? And if that's the case, let us know. The second part is, can you or are you willing to serve on one or more of these teams? So let's, let's go through these. The first is the benevolence team. Do you have a financial need? Do you need help with a utility bill, monthly rent, groceries, or some other basic need? We have, it's in, built into our budget, a deacon's fund that is designated for helping congregants with, with needs. Let us know if this team can assist you in alleviating financial burdens, and let us know if you would like to serve in meeting those needs and helping in the process of folks who need needs met. The other is the prayer chain. Do you have a prayer need that you would like shared with over 200 people? Now think about that. It, the prayer chain isn't just a way that we learn what's going on in the church, so we stay up to speed on that, but we actually can pray for one another. And many of you have submitted prayer chain requests, and we've shared those uh, with the congregation. You can activate the prayer chain by simply calling the church office. Or if you want to help in, in sharing these prayer chain uh, requests or praying on Sunday morning, there's other ways that you can be supportive of our prayer ministry here at Grantham. There's also the Stephen ministry team. 
And you may not be familiar with this, but Stephen Ministry is a national organization, and they train leaders to help folks with spiritual and emotional, relational needs, and they need uh, actual extra support for that kind of thing. We have several folks in our congregation who are qualified to do this, and, and we're opening the door for others to be a part of that as well. The Stephen Ministry team is led by qualified lay folks who care for people in the congregation experiencing life difficulties. And the meals team, are you, can you cook? <laughs> can you bake a pie or, or a cake or something uh, to share with someone who, who may need it or maybe somebody who's sick? You know, difficult, challenging season of life. If you recently experienced sickness, financial hardship, maybe the loss of a loved one, the birth of a child, sometimes folks could use a nice home-cooked meal. And we utilize uh, takethemameal.com here at Grantham to do that. So maybe you're interested in assisting through cooking meals. We've also formed a visiting team. Maybe you're not on pastoral staff, but you know, you have a pastor's heart and you're interested in visiting people at home or shut-ins and visiting people in the hospital, we have formed a team for that. Maybe you wanna take a, a, a prayer shawl to someone or, or even anoint someone with oil or give them communion. We can teach you how to do that and you can be a part of this team. Folks who've been hospitalized and said widowed or, or they're homebound, this team is, is gonna help our pastors to make visits in homes. Or maybe you need a, a transportation in some form or another. Occasionally people may need a ride to a medical appointment, picking up groceries or getting to worship on Sunday. It could be a one-time trip. It could be several trips. This team ensures that you get where you need to go. And we, I know we have folks that are already doing that and are willing to step up in this way. A moving team, which we've had for years at Grantham, is going to continue. We plan on moving locally. Uh, you need help loading or unloading. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever had help from the moving team. Look at that. Look at that. We're meeting needs through these teams. Thank you. A bereavement team. We've, we've formed a team that if you would like to specifically show care for the bereaved and those who are grieving a loss, this team assists those who've lost loved ones by preparing meals in the church kitchen and helping with setup and, and cleanup. Or, or maybe you can't do any of that, but, you, but you'd be interested in sending cards and letters to people who are grieving and through that season of life. And then there's also a contact team. You want to ensure that people don't fall through the cracks at Grantham. We've heard people say this before. You know, pastors, we've been noticing this, this person that we only see them on Sunday. They're not really involved in other things. I'm like, ah you might be ready to go on our contact team. You can help us to reach out to those folks and make sure people don't fall through uh, the cracks. This team also works with the pastoral staff in doing that. Or these other, other times, quarterly or once a month or one time a year teams like the communion team or the baptism team or the Monday Thursday team. As I said, we've printed off these nice brochures and they're gonna be out in two tables, one over here and one out there in the lobby for you to go and to look at and consider how the Lord might be moving on your heart to help to share in the caring of the needs of the church body here at Grantham. And so now that you've been introduced to how we're doing deacons ministry and congregational care, as I said, I wanna invite you to consider how is the Lord calling you to care for our neighbors here at Grantham. 
In a moment, we're going to enter into a time of, of reflection and discernment before communion, which is a time that you may want to say, Lord, forgive me for being impatient with the flooring people <laughs> or Comcast or whatever. But it's also a time I want us to prayerfully consider how is God calling me to put my focus on him and on others in meeting needs and not on myself? I hope that we can do that together and be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. And notice there are several ways that you can respond, several specific ways. One, you can become a deacon coordinator. As I said, our deacons are caring, but they've also primarily become coordinators of these teams. And we have three teams that need someone to lead. Three teams yet that needs, need a coordinator. Would you consider doing that? You can become a deacon and you can assist the coordinators in the care teams. That's another way. Or you can join and assist a care team. Some of these things you can do if you're a shut-in or if you're at home and you can't get out and about and set up tables or give people rides. There's something for everybody here. And lastly, you can let us know of a specific need that you have. If you go to the table, uh, maybe you're not at a place that you can sign up for a team, but you say, you know what, I have a need. I'm moving soon or, or I've just lost a loved one. I need some meals or maybe you need a bill that needs to be paid. Let us know and we'll be glad to help. However the Spirit is leading you to serve our congregation and meet needs, I invite us in to this time of reflection and listening to the Holy Spirit. Finally, listen, listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul wrote this, and hear the blessing in this, folks. Hear the blessing in this. He said, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not because someone told you. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's not the way God wants us to give. Rather, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And Paul says, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. May we share with each other because we all have needs. And if it wasn't for the many members of the one body doing what it is that God has called you to do, we couldn't carry out this gospel mission. Let's pray. Father, we thank you Lord, for the gospel and for the idea of the church which you conceived of and gave birth to through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we can see the beauty of it. 
We, we, we can grasp the concept and the eternal purpose of being a subversive, radical, set apart and holy congregation in a given location to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Lord, may we not think only of ourselves, but think about others and how life comes from service through generosity and through giving. We're listening, Lord, to your voice. Speak to us now about how you would have us respond in obedience. And all of God's people said,